All right. Good morning, everybody. I've got a little bit of my sexy voice going on right now because I was out. Uh, band played last night at the dugout and had to do some singing. And I'm getting a little too old for this stuff. <laughs> getting home at two o'clock in the morning and then uh, getting out to, to preach. It's it's. Ah, I'm still young. Positive thinking. Positive thinking. All right. I like my sexy Barry Manilow voice. So yeah, we're going to try to have some time for uh, uh, Q&A at the end of this message. Um, we're, we're actually trying something a little bit different. I, the thing is, is, as I'm preparing these messages, I uh, do this research, and I, I get excited about a lot of stuff, uh, and it all feels important to me, and so I want to share it all, so I try to cram it all into the message. And um, I'm told that sometimes it's information overload. I'm sure you guys don't feel that way, but some others do. Like, like last week, for example, it was like, yeah, I just like machine gun you with information. And people will say, my brain's melting, so can you just lighten it a little bit? So, and then I end up going a little over, uh, especially the second service ends up for some reason, I just get long-winded. So we're trying this, where uh, uh, to help me kind of edit out some stuff, I am going to uh, take some stuff out, but I'm going to then do, um, attached to the message, uh, some outtakes. Where I, it, I've been doing this on my website, Renew, where I uh, um, just speak into my little iPhone camera and uh, do a little home video. So I'm, all the stuff I took out, I'm going to do a little home video, and then it'll be attached to the end of the podcast. So uh, if you want to find out what I didn't include in this message, uh, then just get on and, and, and you can hear it that way. And that way I don't feel cheated. I can still be excited about all my stuff, but I don't have to overload all you folks with information. Now we'll see how that works. Uh, there's no guarantee. I, I get excited. I just got to share. Just got to share. Okay, so we are studying three verses in Colossians. And uh, yeah, verses 9 through 12. So uh, read along with me here. Uh, Paul says, do not lie to each other. Like telling people it's summer in February. <laughs> uh, since, you have <laughs> since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of the Creator. Here, in this new self, there is no Gentile or Jew, uncircumcised or circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Powerful concept, and we'll be fleshing that out here in the weeks, months to come. Therefore, as God's chosen people, and note there that being part of the chosen people is a presupposition for everything Paul's saying here. So it's a foundational, important concept. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, I've got a team of folks that help me put the messages together, and there's some of the folks who uh, put some of the graphics in and, and help with some of the titles here. And Sometimes I choose the titles of the message, and sometimes they do. This is the title they chose, but it works. It's, he choo, choo, chooses you. Yeah. Any Simpson fans out here catch that reference? All right, so it's, I guess it's from the Simpsons. He, I, and you'll see why it's, I, he choo, choo, chooses you here in a little bit. But first, pray with me here for a moment. Abba, Father, we thank you for this day. It is a gift, and uh, for this body of people, God... They are a gift, and for the calling that you've given us, it is a gift. Uh, for this message, God, it is a gift. And we pray, God, that you use it to uh, really 
burn inside of us a profound fire and, and enthusiasm about what it is to be your chosen people. I pray, God, you give us clarity on this, and God, that you use it to deepen our commitment as disciples of Jesus Christ to carry out the work of your chosen ones in this world. And God, I pray for, for any who might be hearing this message, uh, God, whether they're podcasters or in this auditorium, who, who maybe have not yet surrendered to you, and, and therefore they're not part of your chosen people. And I pray, God, that the, and when they hear the beauty of what you have ordained for your people, God, that that would draw them in, and they, they would surrender their lives to you. Let it be done, Lord. Let it be done. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. What does it mean to be God's chosen people? We're going to see here in um, this in the next week that it's two things have been ordained for God's chosen people. There's blessings that have been ordained for us, and then there's also a job, a vocation uh, that's been ordained for us. We're to receive a blessing, and we are to be a blessing. So next week I'll talk about what it is uh, to be a blessing, the calling to be a blessing to the world. This morning, I want to just savor a little bit the blessings that have been ordained for us. And um, I especially have on my heart, it seemed like as I was putting this message together, it's especially intended, I mean, I think it has something for all of us, but it's really intended. Uh, God wants it to minister to folks who are struggling with discouragement right now. Or maybe anxiety, maybe it can be stuff in your own life, maybe your own life screwed up, or it's just the screwed upness of the world, but for whatever reasons you're discouraged and I want you to really lean into this message because when you really internalize, if you can really internalize just some of the beautiful stuff that God has given all who are, who are part of the chosen people who are in Christ Jesus, well, I promise you that um, it at least makes it harder to stay discouraged and depressed and anxious because there's some good stuff here, good stuff. So lean in on this. Last week we... Uh, we're looking at this idea, looking at what it means to be God's chosen people, and we look at this idea that God plays favorites, uh, this theology that God, from the foundation of the world, just decides who's going to be in and who's going to be out. And the chosen people are the ones that he's ordained to be in. We looked at Romans 9, which gives us this uh, really horrific picture of God who fashions some pottery to uh, be saved and then fashions other pottery to be damned. And then he gets angry at the pottery that's damned for being the way that he makes it, made it. He's eternally angry at it. Um, and we suggested last week that Romans 9 actually means the exact opposite of that. If you weren't here, I encourage you to, to get it because that's a passage that has tripped up a lot of folks. Now, the meaning of Romans 9 is not about God's unilateral control over the clay, the meaning of Romans 9 is about God's wise flexibility in responding to the clay. And so it's the exact opposite of this unilateral controlling God who makes some people to, to pour out his wrath on throughout eternity. What I want to do this morning is to start by looking at the other passage uh, that is most frequently appealed to to support this idea that God, before the foundation of the world, just picks and chooses who's going to be his chosen people or not. Um, it's a passage that I spoke on well, I, I, as part of a QA and a uh, about a year ago, I, I addressed it, but I'm going to go a lot deeper with it here this morning. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Next to Romans 9, it is the passage that is most frequently appealed to to support this idea that God plays favorites. Here's, here's what Paul says. <clears throat> For he chose us in him before the, found, before the creation of the world. He, 
being God, chose us in him, that's Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Some interpret this passage to mean this. That God chose, before the creation of the world, God chose us individuals, as opposed to those individuals, uh, to be saved. God predestined us individuals as opposed to other individuals. And as I'm going through this, remember, if you have questions, type them in. Uh, This is the kind of message that I would think would stimulate some questions. So text them in and we'll try to get to them. Uh, He chose individuals, predestined individuals. And so once again, we're given this idea. I think it's a horrific idea that God, before the creation of the world, just goes any, meeny, miny, mo, and some are in and some aren't, and your fate is sealed when you're born, before, an eternity before you're born. Now, the most important question to ask, we always say around here, of any belief or any, any interpretation, as you're considering whether it's true or not, the most important question to ask is, what is the picture of God presupposed in it? Is it consistent with what we know about God in Jesus Christ? Because all of our thinking about God has to be anchored in Jesus Christ. And that question alone should lead us, I would think, uh, to think that there's something off with this interpretation because the, the picture, as I said last week, the picture of God picking and choosing who's going to be in before the creation of the world is just not consistent with what we learn about God in Jesus Christ. We saw last week that he died not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And God's not willing that any should perish, but wants all to come uh, to everlasting life. He's not a, a God who plays favorites and just loves some and not others. Uh, no, it, 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 there's something off with that. And so we should ask the question, is there a way of interpreting this passage which doesn't imply that God picks and chooses like that? And you may be surprised to find out that I think there is. And I'd like to share that with you now, if you don't mind. Now, to set up this interpretation, I want to share something that happened with uh, Shelly and I uh, a number of years ago when we were kind of fairly newly, newly married. Uh, we were out east. I was going to uh, Princeton. We were living just outside of Nojoisy. And um, we were, as students often are, just dirt poor, just really poor. But while we were out east, we wanted to at least once, uh, before we left there, we wanted to see a Broadway play. And it tended to be kind of expensive. So we saved and saved and saved and saved over a year. We saved. we wanted to go see a play. Um, and so we saved up our pennies and finally had enough to go to a Broadway play. We're going to went to see Avita. Have any of you seen the play Avita? I mean, they had the movie. The movie's okay, but the Broadway play Avita is like, uh, oh, the music. Has anyone seen that? It's just beautiful. It's like, I think the best musical ever, even better than Sound of Music and some others. Um, you know, Don't Cry For Me. You recognize this? Argentina, the truth is I never loved you all through my wild days. My, my favorite is uh, the, um, oh, the, when, the, when she's singing to Colonel Perron, and uh, she says, it seems crazy, but you must believe there's nothing calculated, nothing planned. I got that sexy voice going this morning. <laughs> Please forgive me if I seem naive. I would never want to force your hand. Please stop, please. No, it, it, it's a little better than that, but it's a beautiful play. So we, uh, we wanted to go see it. Now, I, Everyone told us that uh, if you're not a native of New York, don't even try to drive into New York City. It, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a nightmare. 
uh, you're much better off taking the train into New York and then using the subway system. Now, the thing is, is Shelly and I are both directionally challenged. Um, I, we, she's got, you ever heard of this, a geographical dyslexia? You probably haven't because I just made it up. But uh, it's a weird thing. I, I wonder if anyone else has this. She consistently, it's gone on for 33 years, and I've tried to correct it, but there's no hope. She'll refer to going north as going down and going south as going up. It's not because she read Einstein and, you know, and knows that there really is no up or down. No, but she always says, let's go down there. It's like, no, that's, that's north. So she's got dyslexia. I'm worse. I get lost in my garage. It's, it, it's hopeless. So we're both really basket cases when it comes to this. I think that the greatest invention in all of history was that GPS. Oh, that is, that is just a lifesaver. I'm in love with that gal inside that box. She is just... <laughs> and you can, you can program it so it comes out with that kind of sexy British accent, you know. Turn left. 400 yards, turn right. I just, she's just so sweet. And she's, oh, she knows so much. She's so smart. And then she's recalculating. <laughs> Recalculating again, you moron. <laughs> she never gets mad at you. It's, just, you know, it's, it's wonderful. But they didn't have GPSs back then, so we're going to take the train system. Trouble is, we're, 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 we're challenged when it comes to traveling and directions, and we've never taken a train in our life. We've never taken a subway in our life. We don't know anything about New York. We don't know anything is. We've never been to this, I think it was the Marquee Theater. Uh, so it's a little intimidating, but we want to see this place, so we're going to do it. So we head out. The train ride was fine. That was no problem. But then we get into New York, and we encounter that subway system. And that, if you know nothing about it, you get off, you walk into the station, and they got this map that looks like a bunch of colored spaghetti. Yeah, there it is. All these different lines. And, and you look at it, and, and we don't know where anything is, and, and so this is of no help. So I go to this lady in the information desk, which you'd think would be for the purpose of giving information. I said, ma'am, can you tell us uh, what, what, what the line to get on to get to the Marquee Theater? And she gave an answer, but it, maybe she was Pentecostal. She was speaking in tongues. It, it was gibberish. I, it was, it's like New Yorkers have their own little lingo, you know, that they, they talk. They assume that you know where, when they make references, that you know what that is. It's like their own language. So I asked her, what was that again? And then she got mad at me and all that stuff. So I go back to Shelly, and Shelly goes, well, what'd she say? And I said, I, I don't know. I have no idea. There wasn't an answer there, but it made no sense. So we're really, you know, stressed out. So then I see this good-looking, well-dressed couple. They look like they're dressed to go to a Broadway play. So I go up and I ask them, uh, you guys look like you know what's going on around here. Can you tell us how to get to the Marquee Theater? And the guy, was so, so nice, with this kind of distinguished voice. He goes, oh, it's very easy. Very easy. It's, that's right in, on Broadway Boulevard in Times Square. So you just get on, you know, I don't know exactly the names here, so I'm making them up, but just get on the, the BMT Broadway line and it will take you right down into Times Square. You get out when it says block 15 and once you leave the station, turn left, go down two blocks, you'll run right into the Marquee Theater. Just get on that train, stay on that train and you don't have to, it'll take 15 minutes and you'll be there. And I kissed him. I didn't thank. I didn't kiss him, but I thank you. Uh, we feel safe. So we get on that train. We ride down into Times Square. Get off. Take a left. Go two blocks. We run to the Marquee Theater. Enter the theater. Have a glass of wine, and then watch the best play we've ever seen in our life. Isn't that a great story? Now you wonder, okay, what is what does that got to do with with Ephesians one? 
Nothing. I just wanted a chance to sing for you. I had such a... They tell you I have a real sexy voice this morning? Well, it has everything to do with Ephesians 1. See, uh, it's a profound point that if you want to get to the right destination, you've got to get on the right train. <laughs> I'm clever. I got a PhD. <laughs> See, that train is predestined. Yeah, predestined. It's, it's destined ahead of time to get to that destination. So if you get on the train that's destined ahead of time to get to that destination, you're assured of getting to the destination. It's predestined to get to the right destination. Now, it's not predestined whether or not you'll get on that train. But if you choose to get on that train, you're going to the right destination because the train is predestined to go to that right destination. That, folks, is how ancient Jews, most ancient Jews anyways, thought about predestination and what it is to be uh, the chosen people. They didn't think of God up there choosing individuals. When they thought about predestination and being chosen, they thought of a people group. They thought of the nation. And they thought of it in terms of like a train. And you can, you can associate yourself with that nation or not associate yourself with that nation. But if you do associate yourself with that nation, which Paul tells us, by the way, is, uh, is really about having faith. If you associate yourself with that nation, then all that's predestined for the nation is predestined for you. But you can opt out if you want to. We know folks who renounce their faith. You renounce your faith and you're no longer a part of that nation. And we know that the Gentiles could be grafted in to uh, uh, the nation. Um, if they accepted the uh, Jewish faith, and at least for the males, if they got circumcised, well, then they would be considered uh, part of the Jewish nation, which is why very few men converted to ancient Judaism. <laughs> you can understand that. But uh, so that, that's the concept. So Paul is a first century Jew, so he thinks like a first century Jew. And so if we're going to understand this passage, we've got to enter the mindset of a first century Jew. And that means, folks, this. When Paul says we were chosen, we were chosen and predestined in Christ, we shouldn't hear him say we individuals as opposed to those individuals were chosen. We ought to rather hear him say we have been chosen, we who have chosen to believe and are therefore in Christ, we've been chosen and predestined to be holy and adopted into sonship. We who have been, who have gotten on board this train uh, because of our faith, we have been chosen and predestined to arrive at a destination where we're going to be holy, blameless, and spotless. And notice that what is predestined in this passage is not whether or not you'll be in Christ. Paul doesn't say that. What's predestined is that if you're in Christ, you'll be holy and blameless and adopted as, as, as children. What's predestined is for the category of all who are in Christ. Whether you're going to be in that category or not, at least has something to do with you. But once you get in that category, because of your faith, you're incorporated into Christ, now all that's predestined for Christ becomes predestined for you. You follow this? All that's chosen for Christ gets chosen for you. So it's a little bit like this. Um, suppose Mary uh, Van Sickle, the announcer, were to say to me or ask me, Greg, when did you decide that we were going to have a lesson on Ephesians 1? When? And I might say, well, Mary, three weeks ago, I uh, decided that, that on this date we were going to uh, have a lesson on Ephesians 1. I predestined it three weeks ago that we would have a lesson on Ephesians 1. And so Mary could turn to all of you and say, hey, folks, uh, it was predestined three weeks ago that we would have a, hear a lesson on Ephesians 1. And you, you could say, amen, it was predestined three weeks ago that we would hear a lesson on Ephesians 1. Because I predestined it three weeks ago that we would have a message on Ephesians 1. But I didn't predestine that Mary or you or any other individual 
would have a lesson here, a lesson on Ephesians 1. What I predestined was that anyone who shows up this morning, as you wisely have done, uh, would hear a lesson on Ephesians 1. But see, there's a choice that you made to do that. Uh, you could have made the wise, godly choice, get out of bed and come here on this cold morning and, and hear this lesson. But you could have been a pagan and stayed in bed and, 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 and missed out on this beautiful lesson. You see how this goes? It's, but once you're here, you can say, as Paul says, what was predestined for the class is now predestined for us because we showed up. See how that works? And so when, when Paul says that we were chosen in Christ to be holy and spotless and blameless, uh, he's not saying we individuals as opposed to those individuals. Uh, what he's saying is that God predestined that whoever is in Christ would arrive at the destination of perfect holiness and perfect blamelessness and be adopted into Christ's sonship, and as we'll see here in a moment, a bunch of other wonderful things as well. But whether or not you'd be part of this whoever was at least in part up to you. Now, God had to work in your heart to get you into Christ. God had to batter down the walls of resistance in your heart to get you into Christ. God had to waken you from the dead to get you into Christ. God had to empower you and give you the ability to have faith. You couldn't do that on your own for you to get into Christ. But God would not force you because God wants this to be a decision uh, made by a person, not a robot. He wants this to be a a decision of love because he's looking at a love relationship. So he influences, he pulls, he draws, he yearns, but he does not force us. And so uh, it's at least in part up to you. You have to yield to this. But once you yield to the Spirit and have faith and are incorporated into Christ, now everything that's been predestined for those who are in Christ gets predestined for you. So you can say, we have been predestined in Christ to be holy and spotless. You have a role in it. That's why Paul goes on and says this in in, in verse 13. Look at this. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. No, this wasn't something that was decided an eternity ago. It happened when you heard the word of truth, and the, which is the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. And then when you believed, now you were incorporated into Christ, and you were uh, marked with him uh, with a seal, uh, the Holy Spirit. But that happened when you believed. It wasn't something that was settled an eternity ago. Uh, and then, once you believe, now what's predestined for those who are in Christ gets predestined to you. So folks, what we... If you, if you un- look at this passage this way, which is, I think, how any first century Jew would have understood this, um, you don't have this ugly picture of, of God picking and choosing uh, who's going to go to heaven, who's going to go to hell before the creation of the world. You don't have this ugly picture of God who brings some people into, the, into existence for the sole purpose of glorifying his wrath by punishing them for all eternity for being exactly the way he made them to be predestined them to be. No, here we have a picture, of, of, of an unfathomably beautiful picture of God. A God whose dream is to have all human beings brought into Christ. Once he has a bear hug around all human beings to pull us into, into Jesus Christ. This is a God who will do and has done everything possible to bring all human beings into Christ. But he will not force us. He will not force us because then it wouldn't be a decision of love. This is a God who's not selective, who plays partiality of anything else. This is, this is the God who doesn't want any to perish, but wants all to come to, to uh, repentance, bringing us into the predestined Son. Now, here's why this concept of, of predestination is so important. Um, I mean, it's important, I think, to understand the corporate nature of predestination so you, you don't have that picture of God picking and choosing, which I think just justifies a lot of unbelief. But this concept is, is, is also important in a positive way. For this reason, 
Because there is so little in this world, as it now is, so little that we can count on. So little that, that you can have confidence in. So little that you can trust. So little that is certain. Um, we, 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 it, the world is in some respects like a, a cosmic New York subway system. It's confusing. It's, it's a colored spaghetti world. It's, there's so much ambiguity. We live in a fog of war. There's so much uncertainty. And, and in the midst of all this uncertainty, we struggle sometimes with our own shortcomings. We struggle with our, our, our sin. We struggle with our doubt. We struggle with our fears and anxiety. And, and, and we're, we're broken people. And, and sometimes in, in, as we're walking with God, you wonder, am I making any progress? Sometimes it seems like you're going backwards. Take three steps forward, four steps backward. And you can ask the question, you know, am I even going to arrive at the destination? And sometimes it feels like our life, all the effort comes to nothing and, and it has no point. It's going nowhere. What, what can you trust? What can you have assurance in? It's not ourselves, that's for sure. And you look at this world, this colored spaghetti world, and, and it's easy to do despair on that. The world is such a mess. It sometimes seems hopeless. It, uh, it, it, uh, it's broken. It's stupid. It's much violence. It's permeated with fear. It's, and no one's got the answers. And so as you look at your own life and as you look at the world, in the midst of this colored spaghetti, ambiguous, painful, confusing, broken, uncertain world, you ask the question, what can we trust? If our hope is in ourselves, we're gone. If our hope is in our ability to figure things out, we're, we're, we're doomed. If our hope is in measuring our own progress, we're doomed. If our hope is, is, is uh, in, in religion, we're doomed. If it's in America, we're doomed. If it's in government, we're doomed. If it's in our own holiness, we're doomed. If it's in our ability to impress God, we're doomed. What can you trust? What can you lean on? What can give you assurance? And see, in the midst of that world, with all those kind of questions, so much uncertainty, Paul comes along and he says, I got some good news. And it's really, really good news. In the midst of this uncertain world, he says, there's one thing you can trust. There's a train to get on. And, and you get on this train, and, and there's one train that is predestined to take you to the right destination, praise God. There's one train, you get on this, just stay on that train, and, and it's going to lead you uh, into a right relationship with God. There's, there's one train in the midst of all this thing. Don't You can't trust yourself, your own efforts, your own achievements, religion, government, or anything else, but this you can trust. This train is going to take you. Uh, into a right relationship with God. This train will take you into the kingdom of God. This train will take you into holiness and blamelessness and adoption uh, into Christ's own sonship. This train will land you in the heart of the triune God where you'll be reconciled with God and dance with God forever and ever and ever. Just get on this train, and the train is Jesus Christ who is predestined to take with him a group of people incorporated into him and now share all of his blessedness with them. In the midst of this painful color spaghetti world that's the one thing you can trust get on board that train and you're going to be incorporated into the chosen people of god and what i want to do in the remainder of this message is is just to savor this a little bit i think it's so important to internalize the blessedness of being uh part of the corporate chosen people of god and i just want to savor this a little bit Uh, because in this confusing discouraging world it you got to have something you can anchor on that can give your heart joy in the midst of despair and peace in the midst of anxiety. And so if you're, if, if, if you're surrendered to Christ and therefore are incorporated into Christ, I want you to savor this. If, if you're listening to this message, whether you're in this auditorium or not, uh, and you're not surrendered to Christ, I want you to listen to this. Because I'm praying that the, the, the blessedness of 
being in Christ, of being on this train, I'm praying that, that the beauty of that will pull, pull at your heart so that you too will surrender, become part of the predestined people of God. Here's what Paul says, and I'm just going to look at the rest of Ephesians 1. The stuff he says is predestined for us. And if you're surrendered to Christ, you can say uh, this with the rest of us. In Christ, we, who have been, uh, uh, who have by faith been incorporated into Christ, it's predestined that, in verse 3 he says, that we will be placed in the heavenly realms. That's certain. Get on this train and uh, you will be seated in heavenly realms. You are already, Paul says, far above all principalities and powers, far above all, all dominions and authorities, far above this colored spaghetti, messed up, screwed up, confusing, ambiguous world. And then again in verse 3, he says that in Christ we have been predestined to be blessed with every spiritual blessing. Folks, if, if you're in the Son, then God does not withhold one single blessing. Because you're in the Son, and He gives everything to the Son, and since you are in the Son, He gives everything to you. So you have been blessed. It's been predestined. Get on this train, and you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. And then in verse 4, He says, In Christ we have been predestined to be holy and blameless, completely holy, completely blameless. Not one spot will be on you. And that's not because you're so good and so wonderful and have made such spiritual achievements. No, because you're on the right train. Get on this train, it leads you to that land been predestined to go to that destination and it's a good destination verse 5 he says in christ it's predestined that we will be lovingly adopted into christ's own sonship that's why he uses the concept of sonship we share in his sonship so that all that is is true of christ now gets shared with us we're entangled with christ as we've said uh, in, in in the past uh, that means then that that the relationship that the father has with his son which is just the, the love of the triune god that same relationship is your relationship that's why Jesus prays in John 17 that we would know that we're loved with the same love that the Father has for Him. As the Father loves the Son, He loves us because we're in the Son. It's not a secondary love, a derivative love. It's the same love, which means you get on this train and it's predestined that, that you will be experiencing the same love that is God Himself. And we're dancing in the heart of the triune God. You could not be more loved than you are this very moment. And again, that's not because... You have had such a great week, and you've conquered so much, and, and you've made such progress, and, and you got it all figured out, and you, your acts together, and, and, and all that. No, it has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. It's because you're in the right place. You're in the sun, and that sun, you're in him, and it's predestined that you're going to have this relationship. Uh, verse 6, he says that uh, if we're in Christ, we are predestined to be one who magnifies God's glorious grace. Magnifies it. We put it on display. It's predestined that you will, throughout eternity, just be a, a unique, because you're one of a kind, you'll be a unique reflection of God's beauty and God's love and God's grace, God's glory. Throughout eternity, you're going to be a shining star as you reflect the love of God. And in Christ, it's predestined that we will be completely redeemed and entirely forgiven. Completely redeemed. We're, we're bought with a price. We've been bought out of slavery. We've been bought out of bondage to Satan and to sin. And now we're entirely forgiven. Uh, the, the slate has been wiped clean. Uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? Praise God. Who can lay any charge to God's elect? You're part of the chosen people of God. You're in that, you're in that dome where uh, no accusation. If you know who you are and you're thinking straight, no accusation can get to you. Praise God. Uh, it, it's all forgiven. And verse 8, if you're in Christ, it's predestined that you have God's grace lavished on you. He uses that word lavished. Step into this train and it's predestined that God is going to just deluge you in his grace. He's going to 
He's going to drown you in his grace, going to envelop you in his grace, going to lavish on you his grace. God's not a stingy God. No, he, he just, every ounce of grace he's got, he's bang, like Niagara Falls, just falls on you. That's how, can you, how you can be a, a trophy case for God's grace, because he's lavishing it on you. Uh, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Praise God. In verse 9, he says, If we're in Christ, it's predestined that we will receive the revelation of his will in Christ, which, verse 10, involves experiencing all things brought into harmony under Christ. You step into this train, it's predestined that you are going to experience the unfolding of God's glorious plan. And that plan is to bring everything into harmony in Christ Jesus. And so if you're on this train, you're going to arrive at a destination where uh, you'll see all things being brought into wholeness, brought into harmony, all things reconciled. You'll see God's incredible wisdom in bringing good out of evil uh, as he uh, then... Uh, Brings the creation to be where it was always intended to be, where there's no more sin and no more destruction, no more violence, no more evil, no more death, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more heartache. It's predestined that you will experience that. That's what the kingdom of God's all about. And then in verse 11, he says, If you're in Christ, it's predestined that you'll have God work out everything in our life according to his will. Everything, he's going to work it all out according to his glorious plan. The good, the bad, the ugly. And the bad and the ugly isn't part of his plan. That wasn't, it's not there because he has a plan for you to experience the bad and the ugly. But now that it is there, he can use it. He's that smart. And so you step onto this train, it's predestined that he'll take every regret, every sorrow, every mistake you've made, every painful thing that's been done to you, and he makes something beautiful out of it. In fact, this is how you're a trophy of uh, God's glorious love. Throughout eternity, you will be putting on display his incredible wisdom and, and ingenuity in bringing good out of evil. You're going to be a trophy case for that. That's why in the kingdom, there's no place for regrets. If you, got, if you have regrets in your life, you're not thinking straight. Or you're just not trusting God. Because the mistake, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. But now that it did happen, if you surrender it to God, it's predestined that he'll bring something beautiful out of it. And then in verse 13... Step into this train, or uh, verse 12. You're one who will exist for the praise of his glory. All right? Throughout eternity, you will be singing the praises of his glory. Your very being, the way he redeems you, will put on display his glory. And verse 13. If you're in Christ, it's predestined that you'll be marked with the ownership seal of the Holy Spirit. You're, you belong to God. You are now his. Praise God, and you will be throughout eternity. And in verse 14. If, you, if you're in Christ, it's predestined that you will enjoy the guarantee of inheritance as one of God's special possessions. His child, because you're in the Son. And so all that's true of the Son now becomes true of you. And so you have all, all that the Son inherits, which is everything, is something that you will inherit. In Christ, it's predestined that you will inherit the kingdom. Praise God. You may be dirt poor right now, but you are infinitely rich right now if you're on this train. Because this train is going to that destination. Not only is it going to that destination, but in fact, you've already arrived. Uh, he speaks in the present tense. We are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are now placed in the Son. He now lavishes His glorious grace upon Him. We now are to the praise of His glorious grace. It's just that in this uh, colored spaghetti uh, New York subway system world, in the fog of war, it's easy to miss this. And, and our own brains are kind of damaged and we've got cloudy minds. And so we don't see it and don't think it and don't live it and don't experience it consistently. But someday we shall. It's predestined that we shall. Uh, that This train is going to that destination. And it will be glorious. And uh, if, if, we're, if our heads on straight, folks, this world can be really discouraging and full, fearful and full of anxiety. But I encourage us 
chosen people of God to walk with the mindset, knowing this, keeping this in mind. Because it, it makes it harder to stay discouraged for very long uh, when you know who you are and where you're going. And, and, uh, and that it's not because you've got it all figured out. Uh, it's because you're on the right train, going to the right place. Mm, it will speak joy into your heart. Okay, let's see if we got any questions. If I get on the good train as soon as I believe, then why can't I get on after I live how I want to for a while? <laughs> Can you hold the train for a little bit, please? <laughs> I just want to party a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I understand the question. Um, here's, here's what I'd say about that is... Uh, God's arms are always open to you, to everybody. As long as there's any hope, I, 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 that shepherd, he'll, he'll be looking for that one lost sheep as, as, as long as there's any hope for that sheep. The Bible warns us that there can come a time where there's no longer any hope for that sheep. But it's not because God's mercy ran out. It's because what happens is the, the longer we go down a path, the more solidified we get in that path. And that's true for, for, for better or for worse. Uh, we, we, we are being formed by all the decisions we make. And um, so you're, you're, you're playing uh, with, with uh, loaded dice when you are doing the I'll get around to it someday game. Because now that God will say, okay, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not, my patience has run out. It's, but it's rather that what you see now, you may not see tomorrow. And that's... Our, 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 our ability to see truth is conditioned by the state of our heart. And uh, the longer you go down any path, the more solidified you get on that path. Windows of opportunity always close. You notice that. It's true of everything. The flow of time is in one direction. And windows of opportunity close. You have to seize them while they're there because they're not guaranteed for tomorrow. Your life's not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, you, you don't know how much time you have to work with this. But even though you live to be 187, what you see now, you may not see tomorrow. Uh, I've known people who have done this. A good friend of mine, man, I, when, when I gave my life to Christ, he was um, uh, so close. Came to church and he was like, so close. But he just didn't want to wake from, walk away from his own lifestyle. He, later, later. Uh, then in time, he stopped being interested. I actually just got a call from his father, who's about 90 years old now, and this old friend of mine is, is uh, it's a very, 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 very sad story where he's at right now. Um, and, and we're never in a position to say that a person is, is light has gone out. We can't say a person's hopeless. Only God knows those things. But from appearances, it looks like he's just lost that perception. So when you see it, that's, that's why the Bible says today's the day of salvation. It's the only day you got to work with. You see it now, respond to it now. I, and I know folks who got, get to the point where they, they're close, they, they hunger for it, they're almost there, but they just won't, they won't abandon ship and they throw them, their lives on, on, on Jesus Christ. And then later on, they, they look back on it, they wonder, how could they ever have possibly thought that that might be true? You, you lose, the window of opportunity closes. So today's the day of salvation. Excellent. Another question. How many trains are there? Can there be more than one way to get to the kingdom? I will. This is a very good question. I appreciate that. I, I, this is not PC at all today to say, but um, I, I can uh, give you my reasons for saying it. Uh, Jesus says, I am the train, <laughs> the way, the truth, and the life. 
I am the, look at note the singular there. No one goes to the Father except through me, John 14. I am the way. He is the word. He is the Savior, singular. Um, and so there's not, uh, you know, today we have this idea. People feel like they're being broad-minded by saying, oh, all roads lead to God. Um, and, and that's and it's construed as being narrow-minded if you say, no, Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and life. Oh, you're narrow-minded. But see, how broad-minded or narrow-minded you are isn't about the position you hold. It's about the way you hold it. Do you hold it as a rational person having thought through the alternatives? Or do you hold it just because you like it and, and block out all, 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 all other possibilities? A narrow-minded person, it doesn't, it's not about what you believe, it's a person who just doesn't think very broadly. And so people who have this very narrow view that all roads lead to God, that's a very narrow view. That's as narrow as, as any other kind of belief. Uh, they feel like they're broad-minded. You know, we really right. And yet, very often I talk to them, and these are people who have not thought about it at all. How do you know all roads lead to God? Or they say that all religions are the same. Well, how many have you studied? Because I've, I, most of the people in the religions wouldn't say that. Uh, I've taught world religions for a number of years, and I can tell you, they're not all the same. They're, they share some things in common, but they're also quite different. Uh, a narrow-minded person is one who just believes it because they want to believe it. Now, when I say that, that there's one train, and that train is Jesus Christ, I, 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 that's not the same as saying that only those people who know about this train and consciously believe in this train are on the train. Right? To say that everybody who's saved is saved through Christ is not the same as saying that only those people who know about Christ are saved through Christ. Uh, we can only go to God through the Savior, but I've got reasons to think that God is able somehow to bring people under the umbrella of the saving work of Christ who didn't even know Christ. For example, everybody in the Old Testament, they didn't know Jesus. But, and they needed a Savior as much as any of us. And when Jesus says, no one goes to the Father except through me, well, that applies as much to them as it does to anybody else. And yet we got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and even some non-Jewish people that show up there. Um, you know, Hebrews 11 is all about these non-Christians. But they needed a Savior as much as the rest of us. And so I have a hope that, you know, God knows the heart of people. And Paul says in Romans 2 that when people don't have the truth, God judges them on the basis of the light they do have. And so God's the judge of the world. Our job is not to try to decide who's in and who's not. Our job is to respond to the call that he says we're to preach the gospel with urgency and to share the word with urgency. Because we, we can't celebrate the death and have assurance about people who don't know Christ. And so we, with a sense of urgency, uh, share the word. But it's not our job to pretend like we know what only God knows, who's in and who's out. That is, however, an important question for some. I just talked with a young lady today. Uh, about two hours before service, who was almost ready to lose her faith because she couldn't believe that God would be so narrow as to damn everybody to hell who never uh, had a chance to respond to the gospel. Or maybe they were presented the gospel, but for various reasons didn't believe it. And, and that just was something that struck her as, that is a hard thing to believe. If I had to believe it, I would, but I don't have to believe it because I've got reasons in the word that tell me that God, God's mercy is, is broader than that. What about the people who don't hear about Jesus? Do you think they ever get a chance to hop on the train? Good. You know, folks have this question a lot these days. I just spoke to a young lady yesterday uh, who almost walked away from the faith because of this question. She just could not believe that God would 
um, damn people to hell because they didn't have a chance to hear the gospel or they didn't have a fair chance to hear the gospel. Maybe they heard the gospel, but it was from some jerk and therefore had no credibility, you know. Um, and uh, she couldn't believe that uh, God would damn someone on, on uh, chance. That's about as bad as saying that God would create people for the sole purpose of damning them or predestined them to be damned. Uh, what I shared with her, and what I always say in response to this question is this. I believe there is only one train. Uh, I have every reason in the world to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. There's only one train. I don't think there's a lot of roads that get there. Everyone needs a Savior. We need forgiveness. That's not about how spiritual you are or how good you are or anything like that. It's, it's about your relationship. But having said that, there's only one train. I also have reasons to believe that there's folks that are on that train that don't know it. Uh, I, I think God, God was, if there's any way that God can get a person on that train, he's going to do it. And so I don't think that, that the chance, circumstance of where you were born or how, how nice the person who shared the gospel with you was or how effective they were, those kind of, God's not going to leverage uh, your eternity on something like that. If God will find any, the God who died on the cross is a God who will do anything to, to redeem a person. And I've got reason to think, just looking at scripture, that there's folks who get on that train who don't know it. Everyone in the Old Testament, for example, they didn't know Jesus Christ, they didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, and yet they needed a savior as much as the rest of us. They, 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 when Jesus says, on the way, truth, and life, no one goes to the Father except through me, it applies to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as much as it does to me or you. Uh, and yet they're there. And so that tells me that God sees the heart and, and, and sees the inside of the person. And uh, it's about whether their basic orientation is open to him or closed to him. That's what I think ultimately de- decides whether a person's on the train or not. It's not so much what goes on in the head. It's what's going on in the core of your being. Because what's going on in your head is, is really a reflection of what's going on in the core of your being. All right? So I have hope. I look at the world. I have a hope for all. Um, at the same time, and here's the balance of this, uh, we're told to share the gospel with a sense of urgency. And we, we can't just sit back and say, oh, well, you know, God's love is this. No, he calls us to partner with him to get the job done. And so we're to evangelize uh, aggressively, not in a belligerent way, but have, having a passion for it, to share the good news uh, with everyone that we can. Good question. Another one. If our choosing is not individualized, then then does God only care for us on a community level and not on an individual level? Oh, great question. Thanks for asking that. Uh, yeah, s- some people have this. I, I really appreciate the question. Some folks have a, uh, they, they feel like they're not loved individually. Like, you know, God just sort of loves the crowd. And um, it's so important. I mean, it is a corporate concept. But God doesn't just love a group. Um, God loves you individually. In fact, Get this, if God's love literally has no limit, and it doesn't, then God doesn't have to spread his love thin to love a bunch of people. Rather, if God's love has no limit, then he can love each and every person as though that person was the only person he had to love. His love doesn't get diminished because it's towards however many billion people he's had throughout history. Uh, he loves you as though you were the only one he ever created. And it does my heart good anyways to sometimes relate to God on that basis. In prayer, I will envision God speaking to me as though I was his only child. 
And that somehow, it, it heals something in me. Uh, you know, I think maybe I have, part of, part of my inner psyche has that worry that I'm just one of the crowd. You know, God loves the human race and I happen to be one of the human race. But you need to have it individualized. And that's why I, I encourage us to have time in prayer where um, we are envisioning Jesus speaking to us eye to eye. Um, the imagination is the inner sanctum and to envision this. I talk about this in the book, Seeing is Believing. And then have him speak to you with your name and, and relate to you as his only child because he loves you as though you were his only child. Uh, he loves you as he loves Jesus Christ, his only son. And you're in the son. And so it's, it's good to spend time having it individualized in that way, personalized with your name. Excellent. Can someone fall off, get kicked off, or choose to leave the train? <laughs> Be out of here. Good. Um, yeah, and this, this um, uh, I'm actually, this is one of my outtakes was going to be on this. Because um, uh, some folks take that concept of being sealed by the Holy Spirit. We mentioned it. You're sealed with ownership. And um, they, they take that to mean that uh, the seal can't be broken. And so you're eternally secure. This is the doctrine of eternal security. And there's a dangerous aspect to it, I believe, in that I have met people, maybe you have too, uh, who, um, because of this doctrine, they, they, they confess Jesus Christ, they say the sinner's prayer or something like that when they're four years old, and then 20 years later they're living like the devil, but they think they have the assurance of being a child of God. I've shared here about a guy, first time I ever confronted this doctrine was at a truck stop having a lunch on a trip, and the guy next to me starts talking. He's bragging about how he has all this cocaine that he gets for free, and he travels around, and he's got a chick over in this town and a chick over there, and two chicks back at his apartment that hang out with him, and, and he's just a party animal. He's bragging to me about this. And then when the conversation's done, he, he when he's done talking anyways, he asks, what, what do I do for a living? <laughs> I'm a pastor. He's like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> I hate that. But, uh, uh, you see, this guy, as soon as he found out I was a pastor, he gives me this thing, and I think he really meant it. He goes, well, you know, okay, I know I just shared with you that uh, I, I'm not really living a sanctified life, <laughs> I think. Um, and, and, but then he goes, but you know what? Uh, you know, Jesus is my Savior. He's not my Lord, but he's my Savior. And I just thank God. You know, when I was four years old, my grandma brought me to the First Baptist Church, blah, blah, blah. And I prayed the prayer. And so now I, I'm so glad that God looks at me through Jesus' spectacles. It was the first time I'd ever heard that phrase. For a lot since then. Jesus' spectacles. Um, and uh, I asked what that means. He goes, well, he doesn't see my sin. He sees me just in, as holy and, and righteous. Those are the glasses he wears. And I'm thinking, man, he needs better glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Glasses are supposed to help you see, not blind you. Uh, see, this is that whole legal paradigm stuff. It, it, when you, it's a legality thing. Uh, the train metaphor is just a metaphor. It, you know, the balance of it would be, a, I mean, a, 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 the best metaphor for our marriage relationship with God is, is, or is marriage. Um, and uh, in a marriage, it, it doesn't hang upon, you know, me doing one sin or, or you know, I'm not, Shelly's not going to divorce me because one day I happen to be a, imperfect husband, but I, you, it's a relationship that you can kill if you neglect it and live as though you're single and uh, don't honor your marriage vows. You can kill it. Uh, it's not about the legality of the paper. It's about the actual relationship. 
And so I think you can kill a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he'll make it hard to do. He's holding you. But I think you can kill it. Um, and and um, we, I can never know if somebody is... If someone is now living a life as though they, Jesus was not their Lord, as though they were not married to Him, I don't know if they're still in a saving relationship with them or not. That's not for me to know. But I think the Bible warns about that happening, and therefore we have to accept that that's a possibility. At the same time, I think you can grow in your relationship with God where you become eternally secure. Where your character is such, whatever you do, your character is formed by it. And so we can come to the point where our character is so solidified that it's certain that we, 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 we can never walk away. But that's not a legality thing, like, oh good, now I get to sin and he doesn't see it. It's rather that your heart has been so formed that the relationship is, is now a part of you. Uh, it's, not, it's not just something you choose, it's who you are. All right, think about those things. I'm going to close in prayer. And as I do, I, um, and I like to ask the prayer team to come forward. And if you're here this morning, have any need whatsoever. And it's, if, especially if you're, if you're not a, a follower of Jesus, uh, you're not surrendered to him, you're not one of the chosen people. Would you become one this morning? And that's just about surrendering your life to him. And so come up here. Pray with these folks. Uh, or if you have any other need, um, I encourage you to come up here and pray with them. So Abba, Father, thank you, God, for making us your chosen people. Thank you, God, for lavishing your grace upon us. Thank you, God, for not withholding any spiritual blessing from us. I pray, God, that as we leave here, we'll, we'll do that with a, a mindfulness. However bad things may be right now. The good news is better. And I pray, God, that we would walk out of here with a mind on that. Uh, whatever else we have to deal with in this life, this, this colored spaghetti world, it can be discouraging and painful sometimes, but God, I pray that our heart and our mind would always be aware of the incredible blessings that we have in Christ Jesus that have been predestined for us. So they're certain, they're solidified, they are there. And help us to live with that assurance and that confidence and that joy. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Go out and bless the world.